Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible. I have a very special guest with me today. Angela Sankovich is here with me to discuss Exodus 32 and the story of the golden calf. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Um, I was first uh, introduced to you through the program, The Rehearsal, on HBO, and I found your, um, your presence on the show very interesting. And, and so I just thought it would be so great to, to sit down and talk with you about Scripture, since it is something you're obviously so passionate about. And I think we picked a really good story to, uh, to discuss here with some really powerful truths mm-hmm. and, and some really um, great stuff. So before we dive into the Scripture, uh, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself and how faith plays a part in your life? Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I was born and raised in San Francisco to an immigrant mother from Colombia and a first-generation San Francisco Vietnam vet father. Um, so, yeah, I grew up pretty pretty wild and free in San Francisco in the 90s, and um, I was not raised with faith, um, although I did believe in God, and my family did raise me believing in God, but that was where it stopped, and I didn't know anything about Jesus. So I came to know Jesus in high school when I was a senior and people had been inviting me to church just off the street and I turned them down. And finally, when I was about 18, someone asked me if I wanted to study the Bible. So they brought me through about a month of Bible studies and gave me a really good foundation. And I'm really grateful for that to this day because I, I realized that um, even though a lot of believers go to church, um, there is not really a solid foundation in the scriptures. Um, so I came to faith in Jesus through the Bible when I was 18 and got baptized when I was 19. And um, yeah, and so I'm 45. And so it's been a really long journey. Um, went to a really evangelistic church and it changed my life. I would say it totally changed the trajectory of my life at that time. Um, I was into a lot of bad things as a teenager and as a youth and, um, just a lot of darkness around me, um, a lot of, you know, occult things, a lot of, um, impure things um, as a youth and it, I was just not going down a good path. I was totally empty, just trying to fill myself up. And I was looking for Jesus. I just didn't know it. And I didn't even know who Jesus was, which is like amazing to me because you would think I would have at least remembered hearing him mentioned, you know, at least once throughout my youth, but I don't, I honestly don't. Um, so I'm also grateful for that as well. Um, So I would say faith plays a part in my life by just bringing wholeness to me as a person. Um, Mm. Yeah, just making me feel whole, um, healing those broken parts of me. Um, And it's a continuous process. Um, It's it's a lifelong process. Um, Just renewing of the mind and learning how to think God's thoughts instead of your own or instead of, you know, those thoughts that are being implanted in your mind by the evil one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I would say it also affects my decisions. You know, the things that I choose to partner with, um, faith plays a big role in that too. I've, I've turned down a lot of things um, because it wasn't in alignment with my, you know, with biblical conviction. Um and I just always trusted God that he would take care of me, you know, financially, that I didn't need to, like, accept everything that came my way. Um, but it's easier said than done. At the time, it's, like, <laughs> nerve-wracking and, like, what, do, what am I going to do, Lord? Like, you know, so it's, yeah. like, always at the final hour, 
God <laughs> gives the answer. So, yeah. We live in such an uncertain world. I, um, I, I thank you for sharing your story. I think it's um it's important to remember, and and I we hear this from a lot of the guests on the show, people that come to faith. Um, not from their being raised necessarily in belief in Jesus, um, but their uh, movement towards it through some power, through God working to kind of move them towards Jesus. And it's amazing the change that happens in your life when you accept that movement and you go with that flow and uh, the, the different things that haunt you and the different things that, that you use to, like you said, to, to fill up your your soul that are kind of empty and they drain out very quickly, like that gets replaced mm -hmm. by faith and, and by the spirit. And that helps so many different things in your life. And um, so I appreciate uh, you um, coming on to join me and that this is one of the things that you, you know, decided is in line with, uh, with your faith, because this is, uh, uh, <laughs> I love doing this podcast. I've had the opportunity to talk to some incredible people with some amazing backgrounds and mm -hmm. i really think um i'm excited to uh to get into this um this little bit of uh, scripture here are you, are you ready to dive in yes i'm ready uh before we start reading what is your preferred translation of the bible that's a great question you know i i go back and forth i really am digging the new king james um, mm. I like the straightforwardness of it, and I like how it's really close to the, the King James. Um, but I also have a really good NLT translation. Um, so I think it just depends. I think the Holy Spirit can speak through different translations for different situations. Absolutely. That's something that we emphasize a lot on the show. I, I like to use different translations. And mm -hmm. yeah, some I think are guided more than, than others, and some take a stance on certain things more than others that... Um, and some take liberties more than others. Yeah. Uh, but I think that um, if you can accept a multitude of voices that are all speaking the same truth, mm -hmm. then you can understand that truth a great deal better than if you depend on just one voice alone. Yeah. So I agree. Um, I'm going to be using a, a couple today. I'm going to be using the ESV and I'm going to be using the NRSV, uh, primarily the NRSV because of the footnotes that they have at the mm -hmm. bottom of the pages can can be really helpful for uh, historical context. Mm. And um, in the Old Testament, historical context is extremely important. Um, yeah. y there's different views on the way that the stories are told and how they are to be understood in especially the early books of the Old Testament. Um, mm -hmm. There are different schools of thought with regards to the periods of time that take up, you know, that take up that, uh, the Old Testament stories or, or the different uses of metaphor or the different uses of visual uh, descriptive language. And so mm -hmm. uh, having a solid foundation and an understanding that this was a real group of people in a real period of time can be helpful for our understanding. And I think it's especially helpful in this story of the golden calf. Definitely. That's great. I will refer to your translation, and I have the New Living and the King James. Um, but, yeah, we can, we can go with any one of those. If, if you find... I'll just start reading. I'm going to read a few uh, verses here and stop because uh, there's important context to be given early on. But if you find any words or anything in your translations that you're using while I'm reading that are a little different, I would love to hear it because, again, that can help us um, understand. So we'll start at verse 1. 32 is a, is a fairly long uh, bit of, of text to, to cover for one episode, but I think we're going to make it through. And it's important to get the whole story because there are a lot of three-minute-long um, children's cartoons versions of this story. Mm. And it's not, it's, it's important to remember that while those are useful, I think in instructing the young ones that, um, if we are as adults with, with, um, freely, you know, uh, fully formed minds, if we're to really understand this, we need to understand the whole thing. So, Amen. <laughs> so, uh, verse one starts when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, 
the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of the gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Here's a good place to pause. <laughs> we hear about all of this gold that the, uh, the tribe of Israel has at this time. This is, uh, uh, it's, it's a reasonable deduction from uh, the context in Exodus that this gold is the very gold that was sort of pushed upon the Israelites in their uh, departure from Egypt after the story of the Passover, after what happened with the plague that killed the firstborn in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And um, Pharaoh had decided, it's <laughs> get out, get out of here. I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. Please leave. And they took a bunch of this gold and they mm -hmm. gave it to the Israelites. Well, isn't it strange that they then took that gold and then fashioned a God out of it themselves? Yes. I mean, uh, how interesting is that? Yeah. They must've been really faithless. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, the, the, the vibe that I get from those first couple of verses is one of almost desperation from these people. They feel during a time of silence from God, you know, Moses was acting as, as the voice essentially to these people to, right. um, to speak God to them, you know, speak through him. And um, they, they hadn't heard anything from God. Uh, and, and that plays out in our lives too, right? It plays out where we have these long periods, these long stretches of our lives, some of us, where it feels like, I don't even know if God's there anymore. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where you are, God. Like, I, I, I need something else. Yes. I can relate to that so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so challenging, right? It's, it's, um, it's not an unreasonable reaction in the mind of humanity, in the fallen kind of state of man, to feel so lost that despite having... It's despite the miracles that had been worked in their favor, this tribe had decided whatever we had received from that God before wasn't good enough for us. And um, now that we're not hearing from him anymore, we don't even know where Moses is. He could be dead. Right. That now we're going to fashion our own God and say, this is actually the God that brought us out of Egypt. Uh, yeah. It's it's almost... Uh, mind-boggling in in the logic of it towards the end of that bit i know because aaron was kind of like moses's right hand man his right hand god mm -hmm. and so i'm surprised this would come from him um but they must you're right they must have been in such a state of desperation you know having been torn from egypt everything that was familiar and now they're going into this wilderness and mm -hmm. hanging on moses's every word and, you know, they needed leadership. They probably felt so lost. The image of the calf being fashioned with a graving tool, or, or I would think an engraving tool, has a very different visual image to me than what we see portrayed in those cartoons that I mentioned before, or any visual depictions of the Bible that I've, uh, of like sort of action, action life Bibles that I've seen, where <laughs> they, they try to draw out these stories. It's always like a giant statue. And... Mm it almost seems more likely based on what they're saying here that it was a fairly small gold engraving that it wasn't actually a massive uh you know breathtaking thing that they had made for themselves that it was in fact a, mm -hmm. a quite a quite uh normal looking little plate of gold that they had then instilled all of that uh importance to i was just thinking the same thing i'm like gosh that must have took a lot of gold to make a giant it's probably more likely it was a little bit smaller. <laughs> <laughs> and it, isn't that how 
isn't that indicative of the gods that we create for ourselves as humans? Um, isn't that exactly how we are? When we make a god, we want it to be so important and so so magnificent and so um, imposing and sturdy. And at the end of all of this work that we do to try to make this thing, it is a simple, flat piece of metal that carries mm. with it no no actual value other than the value that we're instilling. Right. Yes. Very true. The uh, yeah. the the other th- note that I wanted to to mention here is the the financial aspect of this that we're taking something that is in, in, incredibly valuable even though, you know, they're not um, they're sort of nomadic at this time. They're kind of moving. They're moving around, right. or you know, they're not living a, a, in in a large civilization, a large city. That this gold doesn't have as much value outside of those large cities, right? It's it's used in trade. Mm-hmm. It's used in 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 contexts where it can be used uh, to exchange for something else. Where in this case, it's they're all by themselves. They're they're not. Um, they're not doing business with other people, from as, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. So they're they're taking this thing that they think is of monetary value and making the god out of it, and that too reflects our um, our priorities today. That that money is such a god to so many people. That's right. It really is. Yep. Yep. And there's I love that saying that says some people are so poor all they have is money. <laughs> I love that. Should we move on to verse 5? Sure. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So we already see that worship in action. And the thing that really stuck out to me in this little short section was the Lord. The word for the Lord that's being used there is that capital L Lord. They have, um, they, they're not, they're not changing the name of God. They're just changing what they think God is. Mm. Yeah. Now uh, we're switching here as we move into verse seven. We have a change of location. Moses on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses went up Mount Sinai to talk to the Lord, to receive the word of the Lord. And, um, and he's, he's actually got some plans to come back down and to, to bring down some tablets, some new, some new information mm-hmm. that God has decided to communicate. And, uh, and God is obviously seeing everything that's going down there with the Israelites and says to Moses in verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I command them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> There's an exclamation point there. God was blown <laughs> <by shock. laughs> Not shocked, but... <laughs> it is it but it is um it's sort of a disbelief and yeah. the the importance of who it is that brought um brought the people out of Egypt yeah. keeps getting tossed around this responsibility for this great thing that happened keeps getting battered between uh Moses and the calf and then God says to Moses uh you were the one that did this and then God says but now they're worshiping this calf saying that the calf is the one that did this. And then later on, we actually see Moses saying to God, actually, you're the one that did this. <laughs> <laughs> I find that so interesting. Interesting. Let's go to eight, nine, sorry. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Wow. God's tough in the Old Testament sometimes, isn't he? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
I mean, he is in the New Testament too, but this this voice of God that we hear, um, especially the one that communicates with Moses in, you know, that voice is stern and it is, um, it speaks with real directness and real vigor towards the things that displease him. Uh, yeah. it's, it's so, uh, this visual of being a stiff necked people, we get a lot of these ways that humanity locks, um, locks God out of their minds and out of their hearts. We hear of Pharaoh's heart being hardened and mm-hmm. we hear about the Israelites being stiff necked, um, unwilling to bow their heads to the God that really matters or unwilling to, um, to change their direction, uh, instead following their own lead and not letting in the spirit, not letting in the voice. Right. And I think also surrendering certainty. Yes. I think we just like, we need that certainty and that reassurance. And sometimes God wants to be enough in uncertainty and it's hard for us to let that lie. You know, it's hard for us to just let things be uncertain and just trust that God is working. Yeah. Their, their uncertainty, it's so easy for us, especially in the very kind of selfish world that we live in, where we're the center of our own universes. And, and of course, social media has amplified that. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this, it's so easy to, to, you know, be your own guide in things. Um, and it's so easy to get caught up in our own drama in the uncertainty and the difficulty of our own lives. These are, you know, my life is so hard and and all these things are really troubling me. Can you imagine being the Israelites at this point? Can you imagine being these people? This, this life is so much harder than anything we will ever face. I know it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, spoiled, pretty pampered. Oh, absolutely. And, and the uncertainty detail is one that we want to, we want to keep pecking at. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that is what pulls us away from God, I think, more than anything. I have uh, yeah. have had and will continue to have people on my podcast here that are um, skeptics or uh, people who are maybe agnostic mm-hmm. or people who um, are they, they believe or they want to believe and they just can't find it in their hearts because they mm. can't have that certainty. And that right. is where our minds go off That's right. and yeah, look for that security from somewhere else. We need things to make sense. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And the truth is <laughs> just we'll never understand everything because God's ways are higher than our ways. And it, that's really hard because we really want to figure everything out. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's and that's easy. It's easier to easier and easier as we feel like we understand everything, as we feel like we know everything, yep. that we can become our own gods because we know that you know there's there's a lot of things that we don't understand that we tell ourselves that we do in order to pr- provide that certainty for us. Mm-hmm. But God's ways are higher than our ways, and and the whole this whole project, reading scripture, getting into um, into the Word of God, and being befuddled by it is is an absolutely essential part of faith in my opinion to to read and to understand and then to read and to not understand and both of those things are 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 good and both of those things are okay yes yes and i know for myself like i feel like some things are just common sense um but there are certain times when things just don't make sense to me and i do try to ask god about them you know, because, you know, in James, it says, for those of you who lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give generously without finding fault. And, mm. But I've found that that wisdom doesn't always get revealed right away. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we don't have that control. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's um, maintaining that trust, maintaining that level of trust in God that, that it will be revealed. Um, whether that be in the great revealing or in some time before then, that um, that can be the hardest thing for us is just the the waiting. And, and there's a lot of waiting in Exodus, especially. Oh, there's a lot of waiting around. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
May I share a quick thing from my life about that? Absolutely. Okay, really quick. Um, I remember I was working at a spa back in 2014 in San Francisco, and I hurt my wrist, so I could not do massage anymore. But actually, it was an answered prayer because I said, God, how am I going to stop doing massage? I'm so tired. <laughs> and um, I, It had been eight years, and I was really burnt out at the time. I never imagined it would be through an injury, um, but that's what happened. But then the thing is, I didn't know what was going to come next. And I was so tempted to go see a psychic. I was, and there were like things that would come in my email, like really tempting me to go around God to like get yeah. certainty and get answers about my future direction, like my next step. And I never did it. And I'm really glad about that. And you know, yeah. um, that was 2014. And I can honestly tell you, an, a real answer has still not come, but things are clearer than they once were. Um, mm. But I can just tell you, like, it's been like seven years of waiting for that, like, really definitive, like, what's your next purpose? You know, what's your next role in life? And I just basically just let it go. I was like, Lord, how do you want me to use my gifts and talents? Just tell me. And um, yeah, so. But definitely temptation in the waiting to get quick answers. Um, yeah. Living by faith can be so difficult. And, and you know, the, the early, uh, the founders of the church, really the early church fathers in the Christian church lived by faith. They, they were in a lot of ways nomadic in, in, in a similar way to the Israelites in that they, they came upon places, they built the church up, they were um, establishing the, you know, spreading the gospel and establishing the church and doing great work, and God was just providing for them. Mm-hmm. And wherever they went, you know, Paul said it a number of times: God, God will be there for me no matter what, and I can live like a pauper, or I can live mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's very wealthy. I can be in prison, or I can be free. Right. It doesn't matter. I know that God is is there, and and to have that level of connection, to have that level of faith, That's takes. Uh, faith that you know that takes uh, a real strength of mind to to not be drawn you said those emails that were coming to you mm-hmm. uh, there's something evil in in <laughs> in advertising oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah. it preys on our insecurities it preys on our weaknesses it really does mm-hmm. at just the right time yeah. always seems to be there mm-hmm. um i will start now back into verse 11 if that's okay yeah uh here we have moses actually interceding for the israelites trying to trying to talk to god in a way that is like trying to change god's mind which is always interesting kind of funny when humans try to do this with god (laughs) um and uh, and it goes here uh, but moses implored the lord his god and said oh lord Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing to his people. Do we think that Moses actually changed God's mind there? I want to say yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It, It certainly seems that way, doesn't it? It does. It's uh, it's it's a compelling thing for Moses to bring up, and it's one of the things that atheists always try to bring up in, in in conversations and discussions and debates about um, about God. Mm-hmm. That why would God do these terrible things to these people, or you know why how why did God do tell them to do this, or why did God tell them to do this mm-hmm. when it seems like these are bad things that that happened to them, and and of course again. 
there are certain things we will never will never reason ourselves out of. We'll never fully understand, and that's okay. That's something that we just have to let um, let God be God for. Um, but in this case, Moses presents a pretty compelling argument. The one that um, the the thing that struck me is: don't let the Egyptians say that you brought the Israelites out of Egypt with evil intent just to kill them. You did this whole thing just to kill them. Wouldn't that be bad if that's what they thought of you? And that's that's an interesting thing, right? That's a pretty compelling argument by Moses, yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, bringing up Abraham, bringing up Isaac, bringing up Jacob or Israel, um, saying to God, these are your people. We all come from this line. You have you know, you've promised so many things to us, like, please relent, maybe not forever, but he's saying in this very moment, don't act on, don't act on that anger. Um, and then he kind of scurries down the mountain. He says, let me see what I can do. Wow. And you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons between Moses and Jesus. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like Moses is being the, um, the middleman for the people just as Jesus is for us, he's the one mm-hmm. speaking to God on the people's behalf, um, standing in between, you know, God's wrath and the people. And yeah. so, yeah, they really needed him to do that too. They really did. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been disastrous and it gets a little ugly later. We'll, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, one of the last things that Jesus said was father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the role that Jesus, and this is one of the reasons why Jesus mentions Moses early on in his teaching, too, where the Gospel of John talks about Moses bringing the law and Jesus bringing the truth, Mm -hmm. that they acted in a similar capacity, but to very different ends. And they acted in different ways, but they they had that same position as someone who knew God's people intimately, knew them very, very well, and cared Mm -hmm. for them deeply. Um, and and would would argue with God almost in a way to say, uh, you know, there is something worth redeeming here. There is something worth your mm. love still. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. So the next bit is it, it, it gets a little dark here. There's still something sort of ugly that happens, uh, and and we're gonna get there. It's not quite here. We're, we're gonna see first Moses coming down the mountain. And he's got the tablets of testimony. There was a footnote here that I wanted to mention. Uh, it's from the NRSV. And it says, as of uh, for verse 14, the Lord changed his mind. God is not bound inflexibly to an announced plan, but is free to change course of action in a manner consistent with the divine purpose. Now, that's not necessarily saying that God will change his mind on everything that's not saying that god will bend to our every desire and our will but god will find other paths to act towards the same divine purpose than maybe the other thing that he was thinking about doing right i love the host of the podcast that i listen to tribulation now i love what he says he goes god calls audibles That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Because there is a very, there's a school of thought in Christianity that um, takes phrases like God is unchanging, God is the same today, tomorrow, and and <clears> says, <throat> well, in that way, then any case where it seems like God is changing his mind, that's actually not what's happening, and it was all within the same plan. And that, to me, takes a lot more bobbing and weaving than it does to say God's nature is unchanged. Um, mm-hmm. God's primary mode of light and love is unchanged, but God's actions can change. God's movement can change. Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and if God is always coming from a disposition of love, and God is always coming from a disposition of, uh, of light toward the people, um, shedding that light into people's lives, then uh, the, the paths that need to be taken to get there can can move you know we can we can call mm-hmm. an audible that's right yep he's the master chess player yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh verse 
15 now. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writings of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Whoa, I forgot about that. I I don't remember reading that part. (laughs) That little detail is so strange, isn't it? Wow. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So, so many wows in this section here, right? So many what is going on. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Moses has tablets, two tablets written front and back with God's word, God's word yeah. directly to the people. And he's so angry. He burns with the same language there. He burned hot. His anger burned hot. It's the same kind of language that God was talking about his anger with. So Moses feels that feeling that God had towards those people and he just breaks the tablets. All of those words of God lost forever wow. because of the actions of the people and because of their idol- idolatry. Yeah. It's also funny that before he came down the mountain, you know, God had the same reaction. And Moses <laughs> was like, wait a second, don't be so hard. And then as soon as he gets down and sees it, he's like, has the same reaction as God. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, come on, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> just hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, right, right. Like he didn't understand the, the degree to which they had gone astray. Right. Um, this, uh, this bit to uh, verse twenty. This this detail about Moses making the people of Israel drink the powder from the burnt and smashed uh, uh, calf. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a footnote here in the NRSV again. It says Moses subjected the people to a trial by ordeal. And it mentions Numbers 5, 16 through 28. Those who suffered ill effects from drinking the water and pulverized metal were regarded as guilty and (gasps) fell in a plague. Whoa. So that would imply that some of them didn't get sick. uh, And and it was only the people that consumed that calf that got a taste of their own medicine. Right. That really really felt those ill effects or or got sick from it. Wow. Like that was determined by God. Like he knew who had been worshiping or bowing down to the cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the degree to which we build these, and I don't want to harp on this detail too much too, because I know I brought it up earlier, but the degree to which we build these gods in our society today is, is staggering. Yeah. We, um, and, and for some it's money for some it's fame uh, for some, it's certainty. Yeah. Uh, f- for some, it is, uh, y- you know, a loved one, someone they have an obsession with or someone they're dependent upon. Um, we create these gods in our lives. And anytime we do, anytime we, we transfer our worship from the one true God to something else in our lives and, and, and worship that as though it was a God, we get sick physically ill from the effects of dealing with the, you know, the, the backlash from that, um, the, the, the relationships that fall apart, the celebrities that fall from, from, uh, from grace, <laughs> the celebrities that, yeah. that, uh, you know, that are shamed and, and canceled and whatever, you know, that all these cases where people are shown to be inherently broken, inherently fallen, uh, uh, imperfect as we all are. Right. Uh, that the trust, if we put that trust in those people, we will always be disappointed. We will always feel ill at the after effects of consuming that God. Definitely. And, you know, I was wondering also, um, I'm sorry, I, I lost it. 
That's okay. I was, <laughs> it's okay. I was thinking about how he made them drink the powder. Um, oh, mm. I think it's an important distinction to note because at first I was thinking, oh, it was all of them. They were all in agreement that they were going to bow down and worship this calf. But mm. it wasn't. There were people among them that decided not to go along with that, obviously. Oh, you know, yeah. according to the footnote. So, yeah. There's always... There's always the discussion of a faithful remnant in other times in the Old Testament that every generation of the Israelites have some that fall away, uh, whether, you know, some that go astray, worship another god, some that are killed in a, in a battle or something like that. And, and no matter how many people are kind of shaved off of the chosen tribe, there's always that faithful remnant that carries through the line from from the oldest church fathers through David and eventually to Christ that leads to the salvation of all people, there has to be that core of people that don't go astray. And we would be lucky to consider ourselves part of that, though I think everyone fails in some way or another, given the opportunity, given the temptation. Definitely. Well said. Yes. The, um, the next verse is 21. And we'll dive back in there. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Uh, Aaron's trying to... Oh, he's trying I don't to... Know the, uh, is, he trying to make, is he trying to make excuses for himself? Like, what is he actually trying to do here? Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and Moses is asking, what... What did these people do to you to for you to like to are you mad at them is that why you let them go this far astray and then he just kind of recant uh, re- retells exactly yeah. what happens uh, not no no embellishment no extra detail he just says well they came to me they said we don't know what to do so I made him a god doesn't that sound fun <laughs> yes <laughs> he that's that's he he didn't really make excuses, but he didn't. I think he knew he was caught. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Like out of nowhere. Like what do you know? Uh, it just happened. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? A calf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always love reading. There's certain, um, there's certain footnotes uh, in the NRSV that are more explanatory and some that are that feel a little bit more... Um, uh, almost like commentary on uh, like giving an opinion on this right. and the way this one is worded here is very funny to me Aaron feebly disclaims responsibility by saying that he did not make the calf it emerged from the fire by itself he feebly tries exactly yes. <laughs> little disclaimer yeah it wasn't it wasn't my it fault wasn't me. I just took all the gold and I melted it all down and I said okay I'm gonna do this for you and then it happened it happened by itself yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's how that's how we are too, right? We are. Anytime, anytime we make massive mistakes, anytime that we go far far afield of what it is that it seems like God actually wants us to do, yes, uh, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. I know that was just how things happened. It's so hard to take responsibility when you're caught. It's like we do not want to be caught. <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and, and all of this, always remembering as silly as these people seem to be or as lost as they seem to be or as selfish they, as they seem to be, th- this is all coming from a place of them uh, being unsure. This is all coming from a place of them being uncertain right. or, um, or being insecure. Or, um, and, and that's where all of this comes from f- for us. Yes. Insecurity, uh, a, a lack of... Uh, a lack of self-esteem or a lack of self-awareness or uh, a lack of understanding or there's always some excuse that we can make but there's always that sort of root 
that yeah. will drive us to all the different things. Yeah, or even the fear of lack itself. Like, yeah. oh no, what are we going to lose? You know, what what, what what's going to become of us if, if Moses doesn't come back, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, what about me? We, we what might about die. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we're moving right along here. We're going to make it to the end. It's going to be a photo finish, but we're going to make it. Okay. Um, at verse 25, uh, and when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout this camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day, about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. Mm. Wow. Challenging, right? Why, why so much death? Is, to me, I guess the only explanation I can come up with is it's better than them all being destroyed. Right. Yeah, I guess there had to be some sacrifice for sin. For God there had to, to be some sort of loss for some atonement, some sacrifice, yeah. Exactly some consequence some debt paid for the sin yeah yeah but it does seem so this is the bit you never get in the in the the children's cartoons no do you they don't go there no No. uh it's dark it's dark and it's and it's the reality of um it's easy to the first half of the story kind of feels oh isn't it isn't it goofy that they did this and and then, right. at, you know, some of them start to get sick because they drank the, the, the water from the, from the calf right. powder. And then we really start to see the, um, the consequences really come into play. And they're grave. They're grave consequences. And, and just like they are to the Israelites here, the consequences of us putting our trust in something else that is going to break apart, that is going to make us sick, is that we will lose something or someone we may lose ourselves. And this was really intense because Moses prefaced it by saying, who's on the Lord's side? Yeah. And they didn't know what he was going to tell them to do. They just knew that they were on the Lord's side. So to know all of a sudden that this was what was being asked of them, it was really a test to like make sure they were sincere in their faith and their their unfaithfulness to God, um, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's there's the amount of trust that they must have had for Moses, too, right. to say not just that um, we are on the Lord's side and we'll do what the Lord says, but that we believe you, Moses, and what you're saying the Lord wants. And, yes. and even if what the Lord wants is to kill our family, to, to kill some of the people that fell in this you know, this grave error that we made that, okay, if that's what God says, and wow. you're saying that that's what God says, then I guess we have to get to work. Yeah, that must have been really sad for them, too. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, well, they were just on God's side, so they felt like a righteous feeling about it, and I'm sure somewhere in their hearts they did, but not, no one was taking joy in this, right? No, no one left this unscathed. No one felt as though uh, this yeah. went exactly how they planned or that they wanted it to. And it just goes to show how serious God, he takes idolatry. Mm-hmm. It's so serious. So. It's not that we have to, it's not that we have to forsake everything in our lives that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are gifts that God gives us that, yeah. that remind us of the goodness of God, that remind us of the things that God does for us and, and the love that God has for us. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the second those things become the God right. is, is when it really becomes the issue. Yeah, yeah. It's like God will start removing 
these things mm. out of his love for us because he doesn't want us to go too far away from him. Mm -hmm. Let's go to verse 30. Uh, the next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will, for the, forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now, go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. Wow. Yeah. God is saying, there's more. <laughs> there's more punishment to come. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and Moses was even like, take me, you know, just blot my name out of the book. Mm -hmm. you know, forgive them and just, just blot my name out. Punish me. And God was like, no, everyone will be responsible for their own. Sin. You will see, yeah, you will see that they, they will know the, the punishment that they suffer. Um, I already relented in my mercy once, and, um, and eventually all of that sin will, you know, will be atoned for. But for now, get moving. Mm -hmm. We have somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to get back on the road. And yeah. that's the times the, the times in my life where i feel like i have drifted from god um i experience that loss i experience that illness in whatever way that it that it you yeah. know takes form and then when i can manage to turn my eyes back to god and pick myself up and dust myself off every time god welcomes me back and says let's get moving we've got stuff to do We've got work to do. We've got to go somewhere. We have a holy divine purpose here. Wow. Amen. That's right. Yep. He does not want us to just stay stuck in the past. There is no suffering for suffering's sake. Despite how bad the suffering is that these people experienced, the suffering that Jesus experienced, the suffering that we experience in our lives, none of it is for nothing. It is all in a purpose. It's all working right. toward the good. Yep. Definitely. God is mm. going to use everything for his purposes. <laughs> yeah. And in order to understand that, we just have to continue to trust. There are, it, it, it's so easy to say, why God, why? Um, what did I do? Um, well, in short, you did a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not we're not perfect we'll never be perfect right. and in that way we will experience the ramifications of that imperfection yeah but god is always there god always loves us and god is always moving us towards himself yeah definitely Whew, if we if we let it happen <laughs> right right yeah. we can we can be stiff-necked too yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah, and then things take longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just, uh, you know, drink that poison water, I guess. and, and <laughs> Yeah, until you, until you hit your bottom. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Did you have any other notes? Anything else that popped out to you about this back end of the story about, um, or about really the, the story as a whole? You know, the thing that really just stands out to me is the fear and the, the reverence for God. Um, mm -hmm. It really instills that. Um, it reminds me that God has this side of him. And, you know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about this. And um, we are to be very respectful and reverent, you know, towards God. And mm -hmm. we're supposed to fear him and respect him. And um, so I think that really stands out. Um, and as I go back through it, um, 
it was interesting how they were really happy, like dancing around the calf and singing. Yeah. And having a good old time. And mm-hmm. I just wonder, you know, if the devil was there, you know, if there, <laughs> there were other spirits carousing with them. Um, yeah. They had opened, yeah. opened those doorways by worshiping this calf and, you know, engaging in like singing and in praise of this, this object. Um, and um, hmm. yeah, because if they were, it weren't, almost seems like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go if ahead. they weren't worshiping God, who's holy, then who, then they were, they were talking to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> they were feeling the spirit, but what spirit? Exactly. exactly and it was you know made him laugh and smile and sing so it obviously felt good it felt good um but it wasn't the spirit of god it wasn't it uh the evil one throws a hell of a party but the hangover is not worth it hey that's that's it that's a word (laughs) that's it right there yeah i uh I so enjoyed talking about this passage with you. Thank you so much for for joining me tonight. I did too. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you for having me. I was so excited when you invited me on. Yeah, it's been very enlightening and I feel fed. (laughs) Do you have any, um, do you have any uh, thing you want to plug at the end of the show here? Any social media handles, anything out there you'd like people to, to get in contact you with or? Oh, sure. Yeah. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram and just see what I'm up to or be encouraged, um, my Instagram handle is thegetwell underscore IG. Um, and for now, that's kind of where I'm camped. Um, to, I am on Facebook as well um, under Angela Sankovich, but I'm mostly on Instagram right now. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me there. I also have a blog um, that is under construction. Um, and that'll be going up on my Instagram. So look out for that. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you again. God bless you. And uh, thank you. God bless you too, Ariel. It was a pleasure. Thanks everybody for listening. This week's poem is from William Butler Yeats's Sailing to Byzantium. O sages standing in God's holy fire, as in the gold mosaic of a wall, come from the holy fire, pern in a gyre, and be the singing masters of my soul. Consume my heart away, sick with desire, and fastened to a dying animal. It knows not what it is, and gather me into the artifice of eternity. Once out of nature, I shall never take my bodily form as any natural thing, but such a form as Grecian goldsmiths make of hammered gold and gold enameling. To keep a drowsy emperor awake, or set upon a golden bough to sing to lords and ladies of Byzantium of what is past or passing or to come. Thanks, everybody. Down here my burden's heavy And the road is rough and Sometimes my feet get weary, I'm so sore, but a brighter day is dawning. When I step on heaven's shore, and I won't have to worry Someday, when this whole life is over, 
Say.